You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 119. This week, David and I discuss Google Glass. Tech fan number one nineteen. I'm Tim Robertson. Joined with, uh, joined with, joined by. <laughs> We're fused at the head. Yeah, it's what we are. We're but, like joined twins. Yeah. Worst things in the world. Of course, that would be uh, quite an accomplishment, being like you know six thousand miles apart. No, it just yes, it would have to be an elongated skull. <laughs> That's why we're so smart. A lot of extra room for those synapses. <laughs> exactly. You you going to see uh, the new Star Trek movie, David? I've seen it already. Oh, it, was, you, it came out here last week. So you I suck. It. It's very good. Yeah, I'm going to... Tonight. I think they've really... Um, the, I mean, I'm a big Star Trek fan, so I kind of went in expecting to be to be pleased with it. Um, and I enjoyed the last movie, the the, the reboot. So. Oh, I thought the reboot, the the first movie was the best Star Trek I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I, th- I th- and I was a big Star Trek fan too. Yeah. So, well, I thought this was a better movie than the first one. Oh, um, you know, there's and and they, you know, it's it's one of those things where if if you don't know Star Trek, you'll it's still a great movie. I mean, it could be you could put Tom Cruise in there with the same kind of setup something like that and it would still be a good movie i mean that's just generally the the whole storyline works well but the fact it's star trek as well they've got a quite a few bones in there for the uh long-term uh trek fans who are more familiar with the series um so yeah it's pretty good i'm looking forward to going um uh, of course i went and saw iron man two weeks ago with chad perry mm-hmm. and uh we've got plans to go see iron man or uh, star trek as well but uh yeah. i think he's thinking this weekend and i don't think i can wait I think no. I, I I seriously considered going last night at like ten o'clock, but mm, no. <laughs> yeah, I was I was surprised it came out here earlier than the U.S. That's probably the first time I've I've ever seen that happen for a, for certainly for a big American tentpole movie. Yeah, that's weird. So uh, so yeah, it was kind of cool. No, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, it. I love the technology that they show in all these sci-fi movies and. So many of them, though, are so unrealistic, David. You know, they they, they show a Macintosh, right? And it's yeah. clearly an iMac. Actually, I shouldn't say Macintosh because it's not called a Macintosh anymore. Did no. you know that? Yeah. Yeah, they're called, just called a Mac now. Just a Mac, officially. Yeah. And they show, the, you know, the, the person using it, so you can clearly see it's an iMac. They even leave the logo in, which means Apple paid to have that put in there. Mm. Then they show the operating system, and it's always some weird operating system. You're like, "What the hell is that? What? What? It's like translucent. They can see through it, and you know they're doing yeah. all these things, but yet you can see they only touch like four keys, and all this stuff stuff's so popping up on their screen. You're like, what the hell operating system is that supposed to be? Well, it's uh, the, the thing is, is that those sequences are done by special effects guys, aren't they? They're not. They don't create a whole operating system and make it all consistent so that the actor can actually drive something. They basically they just play a video in for whatever the actor's meant to do. And and it, I I've always thought to myself that if I were in the position where I was an actor in that sort of role, rather than just you know every time the director goes action, I would just, you know most of them just press random buttons on the keyboard. Yeah, I would actually say well. How am I going to make this? You know, because to me, that's part of selling a performance. But I think a lot of actors don't do that. They just kind of, you know. Well, you mentioned Tom Cruise. And, and uh, what was that movie he was in a few years ago? And Minority Report. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He really did play that he was using a real computer system. <laughs> but the, didn't, you th- didn't you think, I mean, it looked cool and all that. But actually, to lift your arms up over your head and have to wear a special glove just to look at pictures i mean it, it was it was almost like something that microsoft had come up with yeah <laughs> it's, it's like definitely most- not an apple product 
It was like the most inconvenient way of doing anything you could imagine. Uh, and again, you know, they kind of got overtaken by technology because uh, the iPad came out uh, and touchscreen devices a few years later and made that kind of obsolete, that, that uh, kind of holographic projection technology. But... Um, yeah, I, I think that going back to your original point about what you see on the screen, of course, yeah, they don't actually use real computer software. They just create, they have these special effects guys mock up a video in Flash or something like that. I guess uh, it would be easy to do a green screen on a computer. You just make the screen green. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 suspect, I, I suspect what they do is actually to give the actor something to interact with. They actually play something through. Yeah. And whether they, they change it later or not, I don't know. But uh, I, I suppose one of the reasons for that, I mean, I'm looking at, I've got two big screens in front of me here. But if there was a camera over my shoulder trying to look at what I was doing on the screen, everything would be too small. True. Yeah, so, so I guess they have to do something to kind of, you know, and, and it's always the very noddy stuff, isn't it? You know, they're copying a file, so you see the big, a really big fat bar. Yeah, that always seems to take just long enough that it, it finishes just before the bad guy walks into the room. Right, you can see the screen, and <laughs> yeah, that's the, then right. they're covering up the thumb drive. and Yeah, yeah. that's it, yeah. Um, but, um, so I guess that's one reason for them to do that, but the problem is, I suppose it goes goes show the special effects guys. They they're obsessed with a the look. They're not obsessed with something that actually necessarily works. So the, you know that was a it was one thing when it was an old '90s movie where not everyone had computers, but nowadays everybody has computers, and it seems like it's just kind of a glaring thing now. It's, everybody's going to go. The hell is that? I don't. I, mean, I suppose. I wonder if there's a licensing issue with actually could be. Showing- you know, showing the the Chrome for a real operating system, you know. But I mean, if I were if I were Apple, um, certainly in Apple's marketing, and obviously they spend a lot of time getting their computers into TV shows and movies, I would have somebody in the, uh, you know, in, in Johnny Ives' OS department, kind of knock up a, a noddy, very low level functioning, you know, basic operating system with really big ass type and and icons and everything that would then appear in all the movies. <laughs> That's an idea. So, so, so and they also, here's another thing. When they're using computers and windows are popping open, they all make those little sounds. You know what I mean? It's like, what? What? what is that sound? Anyways, I don't know. I don't know why I got off on the tangent on technology and movies. What I'd say is probably the worst offender for that would be the original Jurassic Park movie. Uh-huh. You remember when, when what's his name, Norman, uh, the, the, yeah, yeah, the guy, the guy who was in Seinfeld, Newman, uh, Newman, that's right, yeah. When he shuts the part down so he can make his escape, yeah, and then the the brainy kid has to get it all going again, and she sits down the front of the computer and it's got this stupid wireframe three D representation on it that looks like nothing anybody was using back then or have used since. And she goes, "Oh, I know this. It's li- it's Unix." Yeah, <laughs> and he went, "Please, no, it's not." And she starts trying to kind of navigate her way through this 3D world clicking on icons and everything. It was stupid. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, I thought Unix was uh, text-based. What the hell exactly. are you doing? Anyways. Anyways, let's, uh, you know, I guess we're kind of feeling old. You know, some of the new technology that comes out starts to make us, I don't know, make we're, we we are tech guys, David. There's no question about that. We, we love we technology, are. but yeah. I don't know. There's sometimes that we see stuff, and I think we're in agreement here because, well, I know we are because you wrote this for the show notes last week that we didn't get to. Uh, you wrote, uh, does the fact that I think Google Glass is ridiculous and pointless mean that I am now a grumpy old man? Yep. Uh, let's talk about that. Well, I, we're right. I mean, we're, we're most most people who don't listen to the show don't know, but we're, we're pretty much the same age. There's only about two, three months apart between yeah. us. And, and so I'm 43. As are you. And I, I'm just reaching that age now where you kind of look around the world and you do start to realize that you're not a cool kid anymore. Yeah, you know? I've noticed. You hear, you, hear um, <laughs> you know, somebody on the TV will, will talk about an artist in the, in the charts who's somebody you've never heard of. And, apparent, and then you find out that they've been big in the charts for quite a few years and you've still never heard of them. And then you come across the song that was being talked about and you think it sounds terrible. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that kind of starts to happen when you hit your 40s. 
you know, you're kind of clinging on by your fingernails through your late 30s. But once you get in your 40s, you really start to feel that, particularly when you've got kids. And um, then you, when you get that kind of automatic cynical reaction, which I think does come sometimes from experience, from having seen a lot of things that are hyped up and then go into nothing, Yeah. Uh, particularly in this industry. And and I think I think part of that reaction does come from that. But you do start to... To, well, you still sort of feel well, I'm just get, turning into a grumpy old man. You kids with your new technology, get off my lawn. But you know, the funny thing is, nostalgia and that whole market is huge because if you remember back in the 80s, it was all, you know, a lot of the movies when they would go back in time or, you know, they would look at their childhood that was in the 50s. Yeah. You know, look at Back to the Future and, and, and there was a lot of them though. And it was all of that 50s music that they were kind of making new again a little bit. Um, yeah. Billy Idol was kind of guilty. There was a lot of groups that would take those old songs that their parents liked and made them cool again. So you always have the most current, and then you go about 30 years back. Yeah. And the reason for that is because it's now people in their 40s, our age, who have the money to spend, and we don't like what's going on, so we get nostalgic, and we start looking backwards. And that's why nostalgia is so popular and so profitable. So you see that right now. There's this huge upswing in the popularity of what's what happened in the 80s. Because that yeah. was 30 years ago now. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's, I think it's funny that in one respect, we're both being tech guys, we look forward to what's coming up next. We're always excited about it. We love what's going on right now. But we have that big thing that kind of draws us back in time, too. Yeah, you know, you kind of... Some of the things that... Uh, back when it was new, mm-hmm. um, it, it was, in some ways, it was a more exciting time than now, in that it wasn't so corporate. And I agree. So, even you know, even the, was, our even though, precious yeah, Max. Yeah. Even, even though nowadays it's easy to do things that aren't corporate, because obviously this isn't corporate... Um, you know, so we have a lot. The technology has allowed us to do things we could never dream of doing when we were kids. True. Um, without having lots of money and lots of backing. I mean, you know, we we saw movies and TV shows with super rich kids or super uh, rich people in 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 the eighties, kind of the Tony starts of their day, who had you know uh, arcade arcade game cabinets in their houses and. Right. Uh, maybe might have had if there was a musical based show, they might have had a, a studio in their house and that sort of thing. And of course, now anybody can do that yeah. with with very little outlay. But by the same token, if you look at the tech industry, a lot of stuff was coming out, and it wasn't overly corporate. There were the big corporations, but a small small companies could create things for uh, to kind of take over a market, and a lot of today's very big video game companies started with very small beginnings. Yeah, Electronic Arts was a startup. But I think that's still happening, yeah. David. I mean, look at Twitter. It's huge now, but just six years ago, it wasn't. It was just a few guys um, playing around, came up with an idea. And you see that over and over and over, especially in stuff like the App Store. I mean, yes, a, a lot of it is corporate now, but I think we, we're right in the middle between corporate dominance that they control everything and that independent spirit that says screw corporate we're going to go this route and they're both equally important now the problem is is that many um many things that are created nowadays they have like a strategic end game right from the start whereas if you look at how apple started and how many tech companies started they just wanted to do good stuff and they wanted to make money from it and that was it they didn't they didn't, you know, plan for a flotation or a venture capital buyout or a, to be acquired by a bigger company. They just basically did their thing. Whereas now, everyone I don't think that's true, David. I think that we're romanticizing that period of time. I mean, if you just look, you used Apple as an example. Uh, Atari would be another one. You know, they hit the stock market. They had their IPOs. Apple's at the time was the biggest in the world biggest one that had ever happened up to that point yeah but when they when they started in the garage even when they, you know they did the apple one and then started with the apple two and really with the apple two is when they really start to become a co- proper company yes yeah it, even steve jobs you know the master business brain did not have an ultimate plan say well within five years we're going to float 
Well, how do we know they didn't have that? Well, because you can read the history of what they did, and, and nobody says, well, he was saying right from the start that they were going to float, that that was the ambition. I, I, my opinion, from what I've read of his biography and other histories of Apple, is that it was, it was people they brought on board who suggested that that would be a good idea, good idea to do that sort of thing. And the same with Atari, to be honest. I mean, Nolan Bushnell, I don't think that was his original idea, was to set up a huge, giant corporation that would be floated. Well, he, he couldn't take it any farther, and that's the same thing with Apple. They could only take it so far, and if they wanted to get bigger, and they all did, then you have to have an IPO, like Apple did, or you have to get acquired, like Atari did, by Warner Brothers, or by uh, Warner Communications. So, you- But the difference is, you take something like Google Glass. This is Google is a company who... They, you know, they just had Google I/O this week, and Larry Page went on stage and said, "Why couldn't, you know, why can't we just create great stuff? Why do we have to constantly have to be fighting and and pointing the finger and, and cutting each other's markets off and everything? Can't we just all get along?" Which was a bit rich coming from Google, but Google Glass is a prime example. Well, hold on, before People you get too far away from that, though, let's stop right there. All right. Because he said that on the same day, the exactly the same day. Google sends a cease and desist to Microsoft yeah. saying, hey, you've got a YouTube app that doesn't allow advertising. You, ha- you have to stop doing that. That's right, yeah. Played right yeah. into Microsoft's hands. Exactly. and, and uh, you know, The hypocrisy makes, is just think, thick and rich. Yeah, that makes his words very hollow. But this is my point. You look at Google Glass, and it's kind of being sold as this kind of open... Uh, it's just a developer unit at this point. Let's see how it goes. Let's see what we can do with this kind of technology. You know Google's already got the end game. They've planned the end game as soon as they put, they put the thing on the drawing board. And that's the difference, I think, between what I see now and, and what, I see, what, what, I, what I see looking back. And, yeah, maybe I have got slightly rose-tinted glasses. I, I don't know. Um, you do. You know, okay, okay, fair enough. It's like saying that businesses didn't have business plans back before. They did. I mean, they, there's always an end game, especially when you get to a certain size. Otherwise, they don't do it. But was that end game driven by a desire to improve, to, to grow the company to a certain size and then do something? Or was the product they were producing specifically designed to bring about the end game? Why are they mutually exclusive? Well, I I'm, I get. I, I think Apple back and they weren't. Well, uh, uh, they no, were I think they were. I mean, Apple. I was, the Mac is a prime example. Why did they start the Mac? What was the end game there? Was it just to create the best personal computer you can with icons and menus and a mouse, or was it to dominate computers? Well, obviously, it was to dominate computers. That's what they made it for. Otherwise, they would have stuck with the Apple II which was by far the best-selling computer at the time. But they didn't do that. They made something better. Why? Because they wanted to have a more popular computer. They wanted to blow the competition away. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, no, I'm not sure. I, the problem is I'm not sure I'm articulating quite what I'm saying. I, that, that's a valid argument, but I would say that, that by the time they started thinking about the Mac they were already a big corporate company i'm talking about the earlier days yeah but the earlier days they couldn't have brought their products to the mass market they didn't have the infrastructure to do that to do that they had to get bigger Mm. that's just economics i mean a small company is never going to get to the mass market so if you create something great that you can't produce quick enough well then who cares how great the product is because no one's ever going to see it you know what i mean Mm. Now, we're okay. in a situation now where that's not necessarily true unless it's a hardware product. And even then, because we have stuff like Kickstarter, um, there's options that didn't exist before without selling your soul. And, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, if you came out with a great widget, a hardware widget, and you did not have the money, but it's a great idea, you either sell the idea to another company, you start it up yourself go broke doing so, let's be honest, and hope that you sell enough to recoup your funds and then get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger so you can sell more and more and more, and eventually you become the big corporate giant. That usually doesn't happen that way. You get an investor. um, The only reason they invest is because they have an end game, which is to make more money, which is usually done through either an IPO or a buyout, right? Yeah. 
we don't have to have those constraints anymore. We do, but there are emerging options. And Kickstarter is a prime example. You make a widget. It's a great idea. You put it out on Kickstarter. You get enough people believing in it. You're not selling your soul to get the money. They get a free widget or they get whatever. But they're not taking control of the company. So the crowdsourcing options are we live in a better world now than we did then oh yeah no i'm not i'm not suggesting we don't i know but i think that you can keep your soul a lot easier now than you ever could before the difference though between now and then is that the big soulless companies are the ones that get all the press so that's the one we know about i i kind of i kind of get the feeling that with deregulation, everything, and maybe this is kind of what I'm trying to say, is that the the sharks and getting into bed with the sharks, the sharks are bigger and closer to you now than they were then. And it, yes, it might be easy to get started, but I think the sharks moving quicker. Um, yes, and, but the entire market is moving quicker too. I yeah. think that because the sharks are moving faster, the only reason they're moving faster is they're trying to keep up now, because it's harder for them to keep up than it ever was before. Because a company like Apple or Microsoft could spend three or four years developing something and then release it into that vacuum and it's going to do well. Nowadays, that doesn't seem to be the case. It's Mm -hmm. very difficult for a company to come up with something truly unique and groundbreaking and world-changing and release it onto the market, you know, the same day that it's announced. Everything just moves too quickly now. Now, to get back to Google Glass... I'm with you. I think it's a. It seems like a dumb product. I mean, I don't know. What, what's your take on Google Glass? Well, it's to me, it's it's technology solution looking for a problem. Really, uh, quite quite a, quite aside from the fact that it looks kind of stupid, and um, nobody's given any thought whatsoever to the privacy implications of having an always-on camera on your face that nobody knows when you're recording or when you're not. Um, to, to me, the issue it's trying to solve, which is to allow you to interact with your device in front of your face without taking it out your pocket, is, 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 is a problem that doesn't need to be solved. Yeah, but I don't, that, I don't, I don't think that's really what it's about, though. That's just a, one of the features of the device. I think what Google is trying to do is uh, marry hands-free with a heads-up display and we've seen this in movies for years and years and no one's ever really created anything that was great i don't think google has here either but at at the very least they're trying to move this kind of technology forward but I, i don't see the value of overlaying something that needs your attention onto the real world i i mean that's that's my that's my real problem with it is that is that the what it's trying to do is trying to take data, whatever it is, whether it's from your, your phone or, or whatever it is, and project it in front of your eye while you're interacting with the real world. But you can't do that. You can't read an email while you're walking down the street because you can't concentrate on where you're going and read at the same time. I mean, it's, it's a fallacy that we can, we can do that. No, humans can only we, concentrate on one thing at a time. We, we, can, we can only do one um, complex task at the same time. We can do stuff with muscle memory. We can drive a car and talk, yeah. Um, but what we can't do is we can't read sentences and drive at the same time. No, we can't. We can't put our focus on two things at once. Yeah, exactly. That's impossible. And that's that's the problem that Go- that's what that's the problem that Google Glass is trying to do is to present information into into your eye at a time when you don't need it. Or you don't want it. When, when you take your phone out of your pocket because you have an email or you have a text or something like that, then it, there's a visual cue to everybody that that's what you're concentrating on. And the, the, more, the, the less stupid of us actually stop what else we're doing and actually concentrate on the phone. Admittedly, there are people who do walk around staring at their phone, not looking where they're going. I saw there was a guy yesterday who walked right out in front of my car. He was on his phone and uh, he was texting somebody and he thought the lights had changed and he walked right out in front of me. And I had to stop, you know. So, but the point is, is I don't think having that projected into his eye is going to stop him from doing that because he's still going to be concentrating on on the email or the text or whatever it is, and not concentrating on his surroundings. 
you know, quite apart from the fact that it's only it's only one way of interacting because you still need to control what you're looking at. And the only way you can do that with Google Glass is either touching your, your finger to your side of your head to touch the device or you or talking to it. Now, I think we all appreciate the best world the best will in the world for the technology that neither of those solutions is particularly ideal no i agree and and neither of them actually works really well see i'm intrigued by google glass not for what it does right now but the possibilities that it could have because i'm never going to assume that i've came up with and discarded every great idea ever (laughs) and the idea of putting on a pair of glasses and having interaction with your mobile phone which is i think a lot of people are under the misconception that uh google glass is a thing unto itself it's not it has to have an android phone yeah basically it's it's a dumb terminal yeah yeah i the idea of sitting there watching television with this thing on and i'm running application to give me more information on whatever i'm seeing so i can have an you know um oh i like this product that they're showing show me their website and it shows up on the phone or whatever it is. That's kind of intriguing. Although I personally wouldn't use it. Um, I don't know. I, I like the, I, I'm intrigued by the possibilities of it and yeah, I don't want it to fail because of, I don't get it yet, but I, I don't get it yet. But here's, here's my problem with that. Can we, can we just, do you want, let's take a break for a minute and then I'll come back to you on that. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the G-Man. People like me. Ikuzizun putan igiten dugo gaz etagai zaletu zen. Garrick asko gustio deskagotu ita iskasiko horungo astian. He would smear his gums with peanut butter. Odia guanfiag el bit akabat masa temps in idiomes disconeguts. Aexi que nomes dare final ay adieu. Thanks for downloading this podcast. <laughs> Come on, guy, get a grip. Maybe she really likes fish. Oh, please. This is what it's like when you put it all together. Why don't you start us off? <laughs> Excuse me, do you consider yourself to be a geeky lady? Absolutely. I mean, I have an iPad. I have this is my third iPhone. Uh, I'm, I use Pinterest. I, I'm on Facebook. I love my computer. I, I can't live without my Photoshop. Okay, Absolutely. okay. I get it. You're a pretty geeky lady. What about you? Would you consider yourself a geeky lady? Absolutely. I have Apple TV. I have my iPad. I have my iPhone 5. <laughs> I have an iPod. I have, I have Photoshop. I've got about 70 or 80 apps. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm a geeky okay, okay. lady. Thank you. I get it. I get it. Well, what about you? Are you? Do you consider yourself a geeky lady? Hell no, but that's why I listen to three geeky ladies. Back on the second half of techfanpodcast.com, uh, David and I are going to resume our discussion on Google Glass and a couple other things here in a few minutes. But first, if you want to contact us, the easiest way to do that is to go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message or a comment uh, under the show that you want to comment on. Or simply send an email to tim at techfanpodcast.com or david at techfanpodcast.com. That's the easiest way. The hard way is carrier pigeon. <laughs> Especially if you got to get to David and you like live in Brooklyn or something. Yeah. That's a good poor, poor little thing. <laughs> he gets to you. He's all <gasps> so, so I have to say, somebody wants to try that. And I received the message, I will send you a prize out my own money. <laughs> I'll pitch in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see that uh, iTunes had their 500 billionth download? Yeah. Stop bragging. <laughs> it's like um, McDonald's, even McDonald's eventually gave up putting yeah. natural numbers on the signs and like, just said, billion served. <laughs> yeah, I like the, the Jerry Seinfeld's joke. The cows are just like, well, we saw the sign. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> we give up. <laughs> Any chance I can become a happy meal? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, we did get some feedback, though, David. Yeah, we did. Do you want to talk about the uh, the PR uh, feedback at all? or No, 
because yeah. I don't think it's relevant. I don't think so either. Um, you know, yeah, we had we had um, somebody reached out to Adobe on our behalf, but um, they didn't tell us anything we hadn't heard in their announcement, so it's pointless. I don't think it added anything to our it, Well, and it's just PR reply, and I'm not interested in PR reply. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we had feedback. Uh, the, the, both these feedbacks actually were about the show before last when we were when you were talking about ethics. Yeah, um, and uh, we had one from Eric Asaki, who uh, said that um, he listens to a mixture of podcasts, and um, you know he he's, he's listened to various different things, including some other tech shows he used to like. Some of the stuff from Leo Laporte, but he didn't like his style. He says, One of the reasons I keep listening to Spotlight Network podcasts is that I'm always entertained. Another reason is for the integrity of the hosts and the shows. For example, Geek Show Ever has never said that there will be a solid news program and it delivers a weekly Geek Fest. They give us what they say they will. I hope the Spotlight Network will continue to do this. Sincerely, Eric. And, and yeah, absolutely right. That's, that's, that's what we all like to do around here. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why I'm not really interested in talking about Adobe's PR speak in response to our uh, thing last week, because we are not, um, we are not marketing or shills. Or, well, when it, we gave our opinion, um, and there's no point debating it with Adobe PR, who basically are just saying... Well, they have yeah, to tell stick, the company line. They're sticking to the script that Adobe sure. set up for that thing. So there's no point us debating that because we talked that through last week. Somebody from Adobe who's actually involved in the decision-making process between, behind Creative Cloud wants to come on the show and discuss it with us. Oh, and absolutely. That's a matter. Absolutely. But, but, you know, but it has to be an interactive thing rather than just reading out you know, all their reasons why it's still a great idea. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, do, we do like to think we've got some integrity on here and um, hopefully... Uh, Any time we 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 seem to be slipping, our uh, our uh, listeners will immediately chime in and say oh, you're not sticking to it. So I also want to say I don't think no, I don't know, absolutely not. And I do want to say about the Stoplight Network, um, uh, there's a couple changes. Um, obviously, there's going to be new shows coming into the network. That's I hope always the case. I mean, otherwise it kind of stagnates, and what's the point? Uh, more importantly, though, at least from my perspective and what I've having, I'm doing right now, is we do have a website. It's called StoplightNetwork.com. We never promote it, ever, uh, because it's been kind of stagnant for a very long time. But I'm finally updating it, uh, making it kind of a little bit more user-friendly. Uh, you can go there right now and see what I'm talking about if you want, David. Yeah. Uh, if you're a potential podcaster and you've thought about podcasting, that's where you go to send us information about maybe you already have a show uh, that you want to get a little bit more publicity for and you think the Stoplight Network would help you do that. Or you're thinking about podcasting, you just, you know, the technical hurdles are, is a lot for a lot of people. And uh, we offer our services and, okay, specifically me, uh, to help you get a podcast up and running. You know, I can help you with a website. I can help you with the hosting of the files. I can give you practical advice on how to record, what to record. Uh, one thing I don't help you with really is content uh, because that's it's your show. You own it. It's That's you. Um, but we can help you launch a podcast. And, of course, on the flip side of that is if you're a company, let's say Adobe, that you listen to the show, which we know they do and they did, um, and you want to advertise your product, we do accept advertising. So we can help companies get the message out. Now, going back to what David said about integrity, I don't think you lose your integrity by having a sponsor. Uh, let's say Adobe sponsored this podcast, David. That doesn't change my mind on what I think of Creative Cloud. Yeah. Nor do I let it really influence when I say stuff. Now, I am in a unique position in that I work for an Apple specialist. I have a professional working relationship with Apple. I've met with very higher ups at Apple uh, over the last three years, but yet there's times that I still criticize some Apple things out there, but I also let it be known that I have that professional relationship with Apple. That's how I pay my mortgage, and that's important. And I think listeners get it. I think they understand that. By the same token, I've been writing about the Mac since 1995. I own a pretty prominent website about Mac. <laughs> so yeah. I've been a fan of the technology for a very long time. So I bring that to the table as well. But as long as you know, as a listener, as long as you know what their opinions are and you know it's an honest opinion, 
I think that's yeah. fair, don't you? Uh, and and we will always make it clear if we are supplying something that's been paid for or sponsored um, from an advertiser. If we are if we're talking about that, then then we will be. If we're reading copy, then you will know you're reading. We're reading copy. If we're not reading copy, then you know it's our opinion. And there is a a line between the two. There is, and we will say we appreciate this, and we hope you guys support the sponsor because they supported the show. That's honest. Yeah. Uh, because well, what what we won't do you do is tell you that something something they've got is great. We won't do the thing where we imply that that you know we think this thing is particularly great if we don't believe that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did you look at stoplightnetwork.com? I did. Yeah. I have it in front of me now. Uh, yeah, you, on the front page now is basically a listing of all the recent shows. Now, uh, I stopped updating the site in February just because of time. Uh, it just it was very sporadic, so I'm going to put it on the front burner, if you will, now. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm going back. <laughs> that's what I was doing this morning. Going back and posting with the correct dates all the different shows in the Stoplight Network going back six months. So I'm done with uh, the Tech Fan Podcast. I'm halfway through the MyMac stuff. But, you know, I've got a lot to go. Yeah. But uh, if you're interested in listening to the other shows on the in the network, that's where you're going to go to find it. Cool. What's next? Uh, we just had one other um, one other piece of, of feedback was from Donny Ancolo, who, who writes on the MyMac website. Um, going to chime in the ethics discussion you had on being paid for reviews. When I tried looking for sites to review my junior typer app, I couldn't believe how many sites charge for reviews. You can pay for reviews to be done faster, and you can pay for your reviews to be featured, etc. Beside the fact that I can't afford to pay for the review, I don't agree with paying for a re- review like you do. Yeah. Yeah, that's his two cents, and yeah, I agree. I'm paying, paying, yeah, paying somebody to review something just doesn't, doesn't sit right with me. I mean, we, look, we, we review a lot of stuff on my Mac. Um, you know, most of the stuff I get, I send back because I'm not interested in having it cluttering around the house, to be honest. It gets crazy. Think, if, there's something I'm, if there's something I'm sent to review and I really like it and I, and I, I would like to keep it, I uh, get in touch with the PR company and say, can I pay you for this, please, because I like it. And I, would like to, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like the hassle of sending it back to you and then have to go out and buy another one. No, um, and I've done that done that many times in the past, but uh, you know we don't we don't uh, you know apart from the million million dollar checks you send me every month, Tim to to be on the show. I mean I don't get any other payment. So, and that that may slow down a little bit, David. My lot of winnings are getting depleted. Yeah, but you know what, a million a month it doesn't go very far. Not, not like it used kids. to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's get back to Google Glass, shall sure. we? Sure. So, so let me let me just you you were making the point before the break that you hope that you hope it succeeds because even if the Google implementation here is is not something we quite understand, you think the technology has some potential. No, I didn't say I, I hope it succeeded. I don't. Maybe I said uh, that. You hope, you hope concept succeeds, or you think the concept is interesting. It intrigues me, and I don't want to see it fail. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I kind of hope it succeeds. I mean, you know, there's people's jobs who depend on it. It's not evil technology or anything. I'm so, just so, intrigued by the possibilities of it. So I, here's why. Here's why I think it won't succeed, um, or I, or it will. It will not become mainstream um, because to me, I see a parallel here between something that happened about well, it was about four or five years ago. Um, about four or five years ago, it suddenly became economical to get Bluetooth headsets so you could talk on your phone. Um, and I remember that when that happened, all of a sudden there was an explosion of people walking around with Bluetooth headsets in their ear. Normally there was a great big blue flashing light on the side of it. And back then they, they weren't particularly sleek or small. They were normally big and ugly. There were some that were huge, I remember, and actually like covered, covered your entire ear up because they had pretty big batteries in. And nowadays they're not like that. But the thing is, nowadays, a lot of people don't use them. Even though they're a great solution for if you're, particularly if you're driving in the car and you're not meant to use the phone to hold it up to your ear while you're in the car because it's a distraction. And it's actually, I mean, I don't know what it is in the, in the US, but here in the UK, that's actually illegal to do that, to drive it holding is, a phone up to your ear. It is in some areas. Chicago, for instance, in Chicago proper, it is illegal. In the suburbs, it's not. So it's a city ordinance, but it's not a state ordinance. Yeah. 
So the price of those things has gone down. You can now pick them up for buttons, literally, you know, 10, 15 pounds, something like that for a, for a decent one. They've got smaller, they've got lighter, they've got more functional because now they'll, they'll often play audio off your phone as well. And yet they don't sell very well. And the reason they don't sell very well is because back when the first technology first came on the market, the only people wearing them were early adopter idiots who liked the fact that they had it in their ear. And so they literally wore them on their ear all day, every day. And you'd yeah. see this. It became socially wore... unacceptable to wear these things. Basically, you look <clears throat> like such a prat, and um, it conveyed an attitude that you were a prat because you, you obviously conv- had convinced yourself that you were so important that the chance that you might miss a call from your phone being in your pocket meant you permanently had to have something electronic and ugly with a flashing light plugged into your ear to make sure that you didn't miss that important call. And I think that perception pretty much killed the adoption of those devices. They still sell. I'm sure they sell in good numbers, but I'm also sure that quite a lot of people who buy them don't use them. Or they keep them in their pocket until they get an actual call. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is the social stigma attached to those devices that was caused by the first type of people who use them. Yep. And I think Google Glass is going to be exactly the same. It depends on where they position it. Um, but the big difference there, though, and I can see where that could happen, and I don't discount the that possibility, but there's no business application for this. You, you don't. It doesn't make anything more convenient right now. If they released it today... At a relatively cheap price, I don't think it would sell well because there, it, it's what you said at the very beginning. It doesn't solve any problems. Yeah, I'm intrigued so, but, on it by what it could become, though. If yeah, it was just, something for video games, I think that would be pretty cool. But that's kind of a small market. And, and also, I don't think the technology is up to that at the moment because you need it would need to be much better than it is right now. Um, in order to to make it useful for video games, yeah, because otherwise it'd be going like, you know, I mean, everyone's hyped up on you know rad graphics and everything. It'd be going like going about thirty years to go to like dot matrix displays. Um, the uh, yeah, the only the only possible thing that I can I can think it would it will be useful for is is navigation. That's the only use case I can see for it, where you might possibly want to have that in your eye. So that if you're walking around, or or even if you're driving the car, yeah, and you want to have a head-up display of navigation directions uh, accompanying, you know, accompanying a satellite system, that's just about the only thing I think where it makes sense. But for anything else, I just don't get it at this point. Because if it notifies you that you've got mail or text or anything like that, well, you still have to pull out your phone. Notifier, yeah, you might you might as well just have your phone out and watch for the light to flash. Yeah. You know, I you know my concern is about two and a half, three years ago, David. I had to start reading with glasses on, not all day long. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a computer where I can see everything just fine. But if it gets any closer, things start to get a little blurry. Mm-hmm. So I had to wear reading glasses, and it gets worse at night. Um, I don't know why I have this strain in my eye throughout the day or what, but. At nighttime, if I lay in bed and I pull up my iPad, it's all blurry. Um, and I have to put on the 150 reading glasses that cost like, you know, five to ten bucks at the pharmacy. Yeah. And I can see it just fine. In fact, it's, it makes things really clear. I love it. Um, if I'm wearing Google glasses, it's that close to my eye. I don't think I'm going to be able to see a damn thing. Yeah. I mean, can they... Is there an adjustment? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I think the fact that it's been designed in such a way that anybody who actually wears real glasses can't wear it properly. No, you can't. Is 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 I just typifies the, the limiting thoughts yeah. that's gone into this design. Yep. It has been designed about oh, here's a cool idea. We could put um, images and text into people's eye. How do we do that? And that they have just gone straight down that without thinking about. How can we make this a real-world device that everybody could use? I know, I know people will say, oh, it's only a $1,500 developer preview. It's not the fun. But the point is, you can't retrofit that stuff. Nope. Not, not e- well. Not, yeah, not can. easily. Yeah, but the point is, if you haven't thought about that from the beginning, if you haven't designed it around the way people work from the start, then it's flawed. Yeah. Fatally flawed, in my opinion. 
Yeah, at least with the 3D glasses, you can. They had 3D glasses that you could put over your existing glasses. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I it, it's a it's a it's an intriguing product with a lot of possibilities, but I don't think enough people are looking at the the negative side of it or the uh, the well, potential I, I pitfalls. Probably, the people looking at the pitfalls are all the people who ha- who are hearing about it. There's nobody nobody within Google's thoughts of the pitfalls. They they haven't considered the privacy implications. You know, for me, if I if I if I'm going to look for a device that has a camera on it, yeah, it, it, even with a smartphone, small camera, the point is, unless you're really, really trying to be very, very sneaky, it's kind of hard to take pictures of that without people noticing. And that is a social norm. We, 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 the kind of thing that kind of deal we we give up in this in you know in this world is that is that yes we know there are cctv cameras scattered everywhere and you can't always spot them but in terms of somebody taking a static picture the deal is we recognize that if somebody lifts up their arms with some sort of box in their hands they could be taking a picture and that's our opportunity to say do i want to be in that picture or not google glass just kind of blows straight through that if if i'm wearing something on my head that can take pictures i expect it to be designed by default so that um it shouts out 150 decibels taking a picture so that everybody around me knows and if it could project a 30 foot red light over my head while it did it i think that would be a good idea as well you know in japan uh they they made it so every camera that takes a picture has to make the clicky sound yeah it's the law. You can't have a picture, or you can't take a picture in Japan without it making that clicky sound. You know what? When I was in Hong, you remember I went to Hong Kong. I do. Um, last year, yeah. Work. I was working for the police there. One of the very low crime rates in Hong Kong. Um, really doesn't have a lot of crime at all. But one of their biggest crimes is people using smartphones to take pictures up girls' skirts. Hmm. You know. Um, and and I could have gone point- all day without knowing that. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, you go. I can't not know that now. <laughs> it's, one their, it's, it's one of their biggest problems, and obviously a very quite hard policing problem to tackle. Um, but the, the yeah, this is the issue: is that is that Google have designed this without giving a single thought to that as a problem. Hold on, I need. A, I got a new Kickstarter campaign. Hold on, tent <laughs> shoe camera. There you go. <laughs> well, there's a there's a there's a solution that's found the problem <laughs> oh look at me i just dropped my google glass on the floor let me bend down and pick it up yeah there you go see see that google glass fixes that problem too because quite honestly <laughs> unless the guys are laying flat on their back looking up <laughs> oh god no, that's the problem is it we all see you know we've all been We've all been in situations in life where you see see something happen that the person who it happens to is embarrassing and would not want to be caught on a camera. You know, people slip over, you know, they fall down, they get their pants trapped in a car door and the car drives away. Those sort of things, you know, they kind of happen in life. You know, you see a kid peeing up against the wall because he can't hold it in anymore. Yeah? That now, if somebody pulls out a camera and takes a picture of that, who's not associated with that person, so it's not for their personal <laughs> personal purposes, you know, not for like, you know, oh, look at what the cute kid did, then that immediately goes from being something that's uh, innocuous to something that's incredibly invasive. And we, by, ha- by wearing a camera that you never know when it's on and, and you don't think it'd be long before suddenly hacks a thing so just basically it's recording all the time and so every time a girl crosses her legs in front, in front of him he gets a flash of her upper skirt these are the sort of things that they just haven't thought about I think you've thought of it way too much David <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's intriguing technology I like to see where it goes though don't you well, yeah, but I, I've got a feeling that the uh, kind of the, the I think the social stigma effect, of yeah. wearing glasses is they're not going to get beyond that. I, I agree with you there. I think that's going to be what because look, the first time you see someone with Google Glasses on in front of you, you're going to be kind of like, oh, look at this Google Glasses. Hey, I've seen one of those before. The fourth and fifth time, you're going to be like, ugh, the idiots wearing Google Glasses. Yeah. And, you know, they got to do that looking up head thing to get it to turn on when it goes to sleep. 
You're going to think everyone's having epileptic seizures around you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. um, We're running low on time here, or long on time here. We're coming up at 50 minutes already, David. And I think the... uh, I'm of two minds for the, the next topic. I'd like to talk about it, but I think it deserves... There's uh, more time than we yeah, have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you, we have to let it breathe. So let's kind of save that for next week. But in the meantime, let's reach out to the audience to see if anybody out there listening has thoughts on it, and then we can talk about their thoughts as we discuss it ourselves. Okay. So it's going to be, the topic next week is uh, subsidized internet and computers. Yeah. So Government the, the thing, subsidized. Yeah. The thinking behind this is that if the drive, you know, obviously everybody, whether they're under governments, whether they're under austerity like we are here in Europe at the moment or in the US where you, you're, you're trying to address your deficit problem by by uh, not being necessarily uh, cutting it, cutting everything. But the point is everyone's always driving costs down. And one of the ways you can drive custom service costs down or any sort of interaction with the public is by doing stuff online. And everyone's starting to do that now. You know, you can do all sorts of stuff online. But the problem is, is the more that saves money, the less money goes into counter services, frontline staff, telephone, and that sort of thing. And will there come a point where it all becomes internet or it becomes mostly you're expected to do it by internet. There's already plenty of things the U.S. government does, for instance, you can only do online. It's called the digital divide as as well, and those who can afford computers and high-speed internet can participate, and those who cannot do not. And what is the government's responsibility to level that playing field? That's going to be the discussion next week. Let's not get into it now. But we're very curious on, before you hear what David and I have to say about that, what do you think about that? And uh, if you guys write in, we will read your opinions here on the show. Um, I think it's kind of one of those topics that can, you know, get some people's cackles up. Yeah. You know, there's there's going to be people out there who say well, the government should absolutely not so do this sort of thing. And there's going to be others who say, well, yeah, of course they have to. So I'm curious to see what you guys think about it as we discuss it next week on Tech Fan number 120. And uh, David, thanks for being here next or this week, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, hold on a minute. I just dropped my Google Glass on the floor. Yep. No <laughs> ladies walking by, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Always a pleasure. Always. See you guys next week. Bye.